I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good evening, everybody. It is great to be with you. As always, I see the big smile on Sean's face. Busy show. A lot going on right now, of course, with Husker Online. Little Monday rundown live. It's always fun to join forces here and have a good conversation about Nebraska football, basketball, and all that's going on with all of Nebraska sports for that matter. Sean, good evening. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I love the hat. I need to get one of those, Jeff. It kind of yeah, hides hey, my bald head. Us bald guys got to do that's it, beautiful. right? This happens to work for me. And I don't know. There's some that do, some that don't, but this one I'm told is all right. So now you're just solidifying that it makes me feel good uh <laughs> i'll send you one by the way that'll be my christmas present to you i appreciate that you're gonna have to email you a bottle of whiskey in return or something i like it I, I think i'm gonna win the deal there uh so hey listen let's get straight straight to it you and i got like 15 minutes together and then we're gonna move on to the other guys but tonight i want to get straight to because it's a busy time i said that at the outset with husker online but I love the transfer portal, Sean. I haven't asked you about where your thoughts are. on You and I have been in the game for a very long time, covering recruiting, covering transfer, covering traditional college football, the ups and downs and everything that goes with it. It used to be that the buildup to signing day was everything. And now I feel like we're just hyper-focused on the transfer portal because teams can turn their fortunes around and not have to wait on high school kids to develop necessarily. Like, you could just go grab that guy from Arizona State like you did over the weekend, or you can just go look at that offensive lineman or that defensive lineman. And if you've got, if, if it's a fit, you can turn your fortunes around in a year. Yeah. Everything has just become so immediate the way you can grab guys. I mean, you think about the old days, you had to get releases from scholarships to certain schools. If you wanted to leave Nebraska, you could go anywhere, but maybe Iowa and was kind of, I mean, it was restrictions and the coach had a grant permission you out of your scholarship. All that's changed as you know, and, I look at the offseason now as a series of mile markers. Obviously, Thanksgiving weekend. That Monday is the day that players and coaches start to meet um, after Thanksgiving's over. And then Friday, coaches go on the road. And then December 5th this year was Monday when the portal opened. Mm. And and that was kind of the madness. For three or four days, we had a 1,000 guys go in. Um, And then, you know, after that, you have signing day um, on December 21st. So you have 17 days where coaches are on the road doing in-home visits, three weekends of official recruiting weekends, really two, though. Um, it's hard to get guys in that opening weekend. I mean, you can, sure. but it's not easy. Um, December 21st, signing day. Then you're going to have, obviously, um, at Nebraska, classes start on January 23rd. So that's kind of the, the the mile marker for the transfer portal. Anybody that you're dealing with has to get on campus uh, by the 23rd. And, and, and get in here for classes to begin, but it, it's just wild. I mean, we, we thought the old Januaries were crazy um, circling around about a high school guy, but this is way, I mean, I hate to say it. It's way more exciting. I mean, it's way more intriguing. I think it is. I, I agree. I didn't know how nobody did. It's the wild, wild West. None of us knew how this was going to look, sound, feel. Sometimes it is, it's mesmerizing, it's confusing. Sometimes it feels a little dirty because I, come on, you and I both know coaching staffs all over America are obviously reaching out to kids before they're supposed to. I mean, this, there are no rules out here anymore. It doesn't feel that way. No coach would admit to that, but everybody's getting a feel for, hey, are you happy? Like, one thing you realize, Sean, and I know over the weekend you had a player uh, that you're kind of getting reacquainted with, and we'll see if Malachi Coleman ends up deciding to to come to Nebraska. But, like, guys that maybe at first you were connected with that you thought you were going to get, that it didn't work out, you can never turn the page on guys anymore. And I was talking to a coach the other day who told me, no matter how bitter or ugly the situation got on signing day or – 
it, no matter how much they thought they had a kid in the fold, if he goes somewhere else, you can't turn your back on him because you don't know in a year he may he may decide he regrets that decision and can be an important piece to the puzzle for you the following season. Yeah, the running joke used to be the day after signing day was National Unfollow Day on Twitter. Right. Uh, you can't do that anymore. I mean, you, you have to keep all those follows active and live and, and engaged because you, you, you never know. I mean, this one didn't work out for Nebraska, but here's Keegan Johnson one of Iowa's best players, goes in the portals. Dad played in Nebraska. All of a sudden, he was back in play. Now he's going to go to Kansas State, um, announced Kansas State uh, was going to maybe visit Nebraska and Notre Dame, canceled those trips, visit in Manhattan. Boom, he's a Wildcat. Um, but, you know, you're, you're going to get situations like that where a local guy in Nebraska had one of those this weekend, Jeff. Um, ben Scott out of um, Arizona State. The offensive lineman. He started center this past year, right tackle. The previous two, he's got 28 games under under his belt as a starter. Um, nobody knew he was in town. Um, you know, it basically took me at the basketball game, <laughs> going over to the area where the recruits were, um, just because I was getting a popcorn, and I'm like, "Who is that big guy?" And then I connected the dots. That's Ben Scott. I mean, so it was. You know, you're, you're gonna get surprises. Uh, we learned this week that Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech quarterback, was on campus and. Um, he was the starter for the better part of two or three seasons at Georgia Tech as a quarterback. And all of a sudden he's here and Casey Thompson had shoulder surgery. So there's a lot of intrigue with the quarterback position. Elijah Judy, the AM defensive lineman, he left College Station because they signed eight guys and basically dumped millions of dollars. In, and, and that's that's Ben Scott, by the way. Um, that was my my um best <laughs> Your photo phone from a distance. I had a really I really had to go full zoom on my phone. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I'm like, who is this big guy? He didn't look like a high school kid. And and you find out not only is he from Honolulu, same high school as Donovan and Dominic Riola. Um, and by the way, Dominic was at the game yeah. with Donovan. And that was interesting to see. But his parents or his mom is from Columbus, Nebraska. They got deep roots. So this is one to watch. And Nebraska needs a center and they need help at right tackle. So this would be a home run addition um, and the Rialos have the inside track. He's got family um, all over Columbus, which that's the home of Steve Sipple, um, if you didn't know that. Columbus, Nebraska, um, great, great town, about 75 miles from Lincoln. Um, and, and so this would make sense in a lot of respects if they could get Ben Scott. Uh, Jeff Sims, hard to read. We know he was here. We communicated with him briefly. Uh, didn't get much of a visit update other than he was here. Um, you know, and then the other big one, uh, Cornelius, um, who everybody wants right now. He's the guy in the portal that just got like a million offers overnight. Um, and, you know, you look at Cornelius, he came in Thursday through Saturday, a, a, a Anji Cornelius out of Rhode Island, um, a big time, big time offensive lineman, mm -hmm. number one right now on the on three transfer portal rankings. So you basically had what, 18 visitors, I think, uh, Sean, over the weekend, right? And you, you know, Quentin Ives is a running back who uh, we, we didn't mention here, but we're going through all the names of these guys. You talked about Ben Scott from Arizona State. Uh, Elijah Judy would be huge if you somehow got him to, to agree to come to Nebraska because he's a big time. Do you feel good about that? Where are your thoughts on that? I know he's taking other visits. I read that this morning. Well, there's, there's two things. I mean, other visits, but NIL. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's a factor. And, you know, it's not supposed to be, but it is. Um, you know, you can't use NIL as inducement, but you can at least, I think you can show factual data that, hey, this is what a right tackle or a starting tackle or a starting quarterback. This is what we could do for you. This right? is what guys like in your position have made at Nebraska. Right. You can't guarantee you're going to get that kind of money. But this is kind of what you get. So NIL is a humongous thing. And a year ago, it was why Nebraska was able to get a few guys. They got Trey Palmer. Um, they got O'Shawn Mathis, Casey Thompson. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got some pretty good players. And, you know, the NIL pitch was a big part of it because Nebraska had the first collective formed in the country um, back in July of 2021. I mean, they literally launched the first collective in college football. So they were way ahead of it to when, when they formed a collective, people were like, you can't do that. And people are like, well, I guess you can. That, that's part of the rules. And, you know, obviously collectives now are a part of it. I mean, athletic departments have almost tried to work with them now versus at the very beginning. I mean, they were like the forbidden fruit. You didn't want to have anything to do with the collective. But I think they've gotten smart enough that, you know, these collectives aren't going anywhere. And this time of year with recruiting and the transfer portal, both, 
um, you know, the collectives are going to be as big of a part as anything for everybody in college football. Yeah, Sean, I'm curious, how many collectives, or is it singular, do, does Nebraska, well, I shouldn't say does Nebraska have, it's a separate group, a con, you know, as you noted, it can't be associated necessarily with the athletic department per se. Somehow they always seem to know what positions are of need. But uh, that said, at a, how many collectives are there for Nebraska? Yeah, it, it's it's a kind of a multi-pronged question. I mean, the original collective ABM is is no longer. Okay. Um, they folded in December, and that was formed by Scott Frost's people that were here. And, you know, they had a really good concept and, and got it going um, well before anybody was even thinking about collectives. I, I remember I ran into some of the Open Doors people at the very beginning, and they're like, people were like, you can't do this. I mean, that, then all of a sudden, everyone had collectives. It was, it, it's crazy how that caught on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and now um, there's two collectives at Nebraska, but probably the, the main one is the 1890 Initiative which is operated um, by Matt Davison, but funded by the Pede family, which they are the largest boosters of Nebraska football. And why they're going to be successful is the Pede family is going to fully fund all the operational costs, the marketing, the legal, the accounting, um, everything that goes with running a collective, they're paying for that. Um, Then if you make a donation to the collective, 100% of their money goes right to the athlete. Um, so that, that, that's the main collective. And I mean, you can't really compete against that when, when you have somebody that's willing to eat the operating costs now, yeah, sure. uh, before they came around the big red collaborative formed, and that was going to be the replacement for ABM. And, and they're still around, um, Bill Gerber, um, who is one of the heads of Ameritrade and Matt Hickey, who is very close with the Riolas, um, as a money manager and Chris Brown, the former NFL kicker, they're running that one. Um, and they're still around as well, but they're just not off the ground at the level. Um, and ABM's kind of book of business contracts, structures all went to the 1890 initiative. So it is fascinating, I think, for a lot of Husker fans because it's brand new and it is a huge part of things. Like you, you, no one's really comfortable with NIL, but it's a very big part of what's going on right now. Yeah, and I saw in the chat people were asking questions. It's been fine-tuned rather quickly too. You know, Sean, we all wondered how it would go you look around the country. I love reading about this and we both work for on three and you can, you can follow the transfer portal. You can follow NIL deals. You can see the valuations of players. You know, we've talked about that. Some um, for those that join Husker online, you can certainly find that. Uh, but I, I find it fascinating how quickly you're kind of weeding out groups that started initially that, and this is not a knock on those groups, but maybe didn't know what they were getting into the heavy hitters came in pretty soon. You realized what was what it is the biggest factor. Let's just, as you said earlier at the start of the show tonight, let's not kid ourselves. If you're not competitive in NIL, you will not be competitive on the football field. That no. is that period. There, there is zero chance for you to compete. If you're not competitive, highly competitive in the NIL. And there are, I mean, there are some schools in the big 10 that have had a hard time with it. I mean, it's just, you know, their fans want to win, but at a place like Iowa or Wisconsin, they're not wired like Nebraska fans. I right. mean, people here are nuts. I mean, they, they, they I mean, <laughs> they care. I mean, they will cancel everything in their life to go to a Nebraska football game. And, you know, no matter what, if there's a wedding, a funeral, <laughs> you're going to go to the Nebraska football game. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, you know, everywhere you go here, people talk about the recruits. And when I, mean, I go out of the grocery store, people want to talk about Nebraska football everywhere you go. And um, that type of, fandom leads to like the collectives and the amount of money that's involved in things. And, um, you know, it, it, it can be a big thing. I think the key for Nebraska is they've got to get organized and structured uh, with Matt rule and the collective and, and figure out how they want to do this. Well, let's get to that because Matt Rule is everywhere right now. I'm sure you ran into him at the basketball game, the aforementioned one. I know he was there with players. And uh, Tony White is is now on board and the new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen Syracuse football up close and personal. I know they run that 3-3-5. One of the things I like about Tony White when I saw the hire, he's young. He's extremely well thought of. He's on the come. He's 43 years old, I believe, uh, Sean. Uh, your thoughts on that hire? And really, I think everybody's going to be watching very, very closely, as they should be. Uh, and as you guys will cover on Husker Online, the entirety of that staff is going to – it's a big deal. You're trying to get guys in here before signing day, and, and we're talking about NIL. We're talking about flipping a roster. Well, they go, they want to know who they're playing for besides Matt Rule. Yeah, getting uh, Tony White – 
it was an out of the box hire for Nebraska. There's no doubt, but I, I like it. I mean, I, I think there's there was a lot of thought, a lot of research that went into this decision. Um, he's a young and up and coming coach that players really like. They play for. He recruits well. I think this is a guy that wants to be a head coach. He's the highest paid assistant coach in Syracuse football history. Um, made in the mid seven hundred thousands. They don't actually um, publicly list their salaries, but. Uh, on the last tax return reports, he was in the mid 700s. Um, so this is a guy that obviously was highly compensated at Syracuse. And, you know, we don't know the terms at Nebraska other than he will be on a three-year deal. And, you know, you have to think it's north of 1.1, 1.2 million, if not more. Um, in Nebraska, Jeff has never had a million-dollar coordinator. Um, we would expect they're going to have two of them now. Um, I was going to say that's about to change. Marcus Satterfield. You know, they, they've always been, you know, 850-ish for coordinators. Now you're going to have two probably in the millions, and they're both going to be on three-year contracts. Sean, has Matt Rule said when he expects to have his staff completed? Um, He hasn't put out a timeline. I mean, there's three spots left. They've got to get, obviously, an offensive um, quarterbacks coach. Unless Satterfield moves the quarterbacks, we and they could do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have got to get a receivers coach. I mean, so those those are the, at least as of now on offense. And then the other one on defense is linebackers. They have to get the linebacker situation. They have a D line. They have a secondary. Um, and we don't know what Tony White is going to assign himself to um, because you know, a lot of times, obviously, the coordinator and defense will take a positional group too. Like last year. Um, they had the nickels or the safeties or, you know, they took a small sure. group of guys. And so there's still some of those questions, but they've got to get three more spots filled. Um, and, you know, we think Dvorak from Carolina is probably who is going to be Rob Dvorak um, will be the, the linebackers coach. Um, Jake Peets turned down the job to be the quarterbacks coach. And it was looked to be a shoe in that he was the guy. And so, um, I, I think Matt Rule is probably still figuring out. And then the receivers coach job, that was probably going to be Mickey Joseph. So I think if you were really being honest, if this staff would have filled out like you thought, maybe it was going to be Pete's, Joseph, Dvorak. Right now, it's probably Dvorak and then two wild cards we don't know yet. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. It's going to be fun, though. Make sure you guys sign up for Husker Online. You still get in right now for a great, great rate. You'll see it $25 for an entire year. HuskerOnline.com as they continue to follow uh, how this staff is filled out. And then, of course, as Sean and I were talking about at the beginning at the outset of this, it, there's no more exciting time with the transfer portal and signing day coming up. Uh, Nebraska can radically alter uh, what they are very, very quickly. All teams can, but it's always fun when you're covering one in the midst of major transition and a coaching overhaul. So uh, that just adds fuel to the fire. I see Sip is here. We can bring him in right now. I want to at least say hello to my friend before I have to go to this recital that I'm going to tonight. Uh, Sip, how are you? Good evening, sir. Recital. Well, that sounds my- fun. That sounds fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's got a Christmas concert. It's a Christmas concert. I shouldn't sounds have said recital fun. yet. Yeah, do that. We got ours Thursday night for my kids at school, so I'll be right with you. Sip, you got to know what kind of – I'm a warrior, buddy. I wanted to be here. I want to say hello to you guys. I wanted to document what's – with Nebraska having so much fun right now with these hires and kids coming in, 18 kids over the weekend, the whole deal. But I also told Sean, I got 20 minutes because I got to get to the school. Oh, well, hey, now let me me do this. Thank you. Oh, buddy. No, no, this is fun. I I said, hey, let me ask you one question. Before mm-hmm. I let you two take over the broadcast, mm-hmm. really curious, Sip. I think this is exhilarating, and I'm not talking about Nebraska, although that's fun too. I lo- I th- I thought I was going to hate the transfer portal. I love it. Really? I, I I love it. I'm enjoying all of this every day. I can't get enough of it. Now it's the wild wild west, and there's un- unsavory stuff that's happening, and we're going to read follow up stories where kids walked away from a scholarship, thought they had a home somewhere else didn't find a home, ended up at a Juco with nothing. We're going to read those stories. We know we are. There are going to be hard luck times and all of that as they get this figured out. 
But I think it's exciting to watch a roster overall happen very, very quickly. And you're going to find the staffs that can do it well, that can identify guys that can step in. They fit the culture, but they also improve their segment group. And Nebraska's in a perfect position right now with this being the new reality. Sip, they they need a quick overhaul, and they've got an opportunity with a, a coach that I think is certainly a very popular hire. Seems to probably have a pretty good idea of what he would want, given how many times he's been a head coach. This this could be really fruitful. Yes, it could. <laughs> uh, and I don't I don't know that I share your love. I don't, but I'm not. I'm probably. I'm okay with it, Jeff. How old are you? We don't have a choice. Sip, we're screwed. It, they, right. Even if we love the old ways, they're gone. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's no, and there's really no sense a bunch of old guys getting on podcasts and video and complaining about it. It's not very appealing, right? Sure. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, it was kind of fun initially to do the shake your fist at the clouds thing, but mm-hmm. um, eh, you know what? You do got to go with it. Now, here's the deal with Nebraska. Jeff, I don't know. Sean, I'd be – well, me and Sean will talk about this when you go to your lovely recital. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, uh, on defense, I don't know that they need to overhaul this thing. Well, that's fair. That's fair. They've got yeah. good players on defense. That's, that's yeah, fair. I, yeah, they had they, – I mean, they could have 10 back, 9 back. Um, O'Shawn Mathis went to the NFL. But, you know, they got 10 guys back right now, 10 starters back. Offense, they need – they'll need some work especially at receiver wide out. They'll need some more speed. Um, and there's some, there's some other positions for sure, but yeah, I I'm with you. It, it seems like you don't want to, I don't think you want the transfer portal to define your program. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't think if you look at the top teams in the country, the teams in the playoff, there's obviously portal. They, there's obviously players that have had impact, but I don't. I wouldn't say those programs are defined by it. That's correct. Um, yeah, so. a very small percentage of their roster is transfer portal guys. Right. And I would say to your point, Sip, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. If you're humming and you're an elite team and you're Kirby Smart, well, he got there. He copied the Alabama way and got ahead in recruiting before this was even a thing, right? So his roster was loaded. Not a lot of need. For them to go out in the portal, they've got five stars everywhere you look. But at programs like Nebraska, like Florida State, and some of the other once very proud programs trying to get it turned around quickly, I do think you see seven to ten guys in a lot of places that can yeah. come in and play right away. Oh yeah, and and even you know at programs that are doing okay, you're going to see that a little bit. But I think the ideal thing would be build a foundation with with traditional recruiting, and then fill in as you need. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, isn't that isn't that the sort of the ideal? Um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's fascinating. But it's. I mean, it's also difficult. Like Nebraska did a good job going in the portal last year and getting guys like O'Shawn Mathis and Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer, highly pretty highly sought after guys that you had to you know you had to probably pay a little money for. Now, can they do that again? Can they go in and have that kind of success? That's what will be in. You're right. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's fun to document at the very least. And on, yeah. that, and on that note, Sean, I'm going to let you take over. Guys, wish me luck. Yeah, you'll be fine. Let's <laughs> try to get into it. Hopefully your wife's got a seat saved for you. Those things get crowded. Yeah, you know, there's a part of me that hopes she doesn't, and I can stand in the back. And then that yeah. way I know, like, when it's time, when that last note hits – See you at the house, hon. When the last note hits. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a book. Um, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Be good, guys. Uh, All right, thanks it'll for be joining fun us. Catching up again next week. Be good. Yeah, thank you a ton for joining us. Oh. Well, Sip, um, let's hit on Tony White. I mean, we haven't really talked publicly since the news came out on the hire of the new defensive coordinator. Um, you, yes. You're going to have a good column on On3 Husker Online tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked to our good friend Tim Cassidy and the mm-hmm. connection there is Tim Cassidy was with Tony White at Arizona State. So you've picked up a lot of insight on Nebraska's new defensive coordinator hire. What what are your early thoughts on this hire? Well, I mean, it's, you know, people don't want to just, I don't think they want us to come on here and just sign off on everybody. Um, but White really strikes a good chord in a lot of ways, Sean. Uh, I mean, he's 43. He would say right now, 
his career's ascending because of the job he did at Syracuse. He whipped around the Syracuse defense. Okay, now, you know, in 2019, Sean, they were 115th nationally before he got there, 115th nationally in total defense. Um, now, in 2021, they were a top 30 defense or top 20 defense. They're 19th. Okay. This year, Sean, they were in the top 10 total defense for part of the season, ended up top 30 defense. So now his thing, what Tony White told Syracuse.com is that he, he turned around a defense at Syracuse. Now he wants to do the same thing at a program steeped in tradition, and that would help his markability. And I like to hear that. Why? Why do I like to hear it? Because he's ascending and he wants to ascend. He wants to, and you know, I'm you know, I know some people say, well, why doesn't he just want to, you know, why isn't he saying he wants to doesn't want to stay at Nebraska? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, and I don't even hear that necessarily. He just wants to keep ascending and maybe be a head coach someday. Maybe that'll be at Nebraska. But but the point is, he's 43. He's 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 Sean. I mean, you try to hire guys that are on the upswing, and that's what he is. So. I like that. At Arizona State, he was with Cassidy, Tim Cassidy, who was the chief of staff for Bill Callahan here. He was the chief of staff. Oh, he went he went to Arizona State with Todd Graham, then was then then was with Herm Edwards. Um, and they were with Herm together, oh, Tony White and Cassidy. And to, and Cassidy saw up close that this Tony White's a good recruiter, he said. Um was a good enough coach that they elevated him to defensive coordinator interim in 2019 and just says he's a, he's just a smart, he's a family man. He makes quick decisions. He said he'll fit here really well. He says he's a good fit for this place. His temperament is good. He can handle it. It, He can handle the pressure here. That's what Tim thinks. So a lot, Sean, I mean, a lot of it, I really like the picture. I really do. Yeah, it's out of the box, but you mentioned the ascending Ooh. thing. I mean, I think about coordinator hires here. You know, Bo Pelini was a guy that took this job as a coordinator years ago to, to ascend his career, and it did. I mean, and mm-hmm. if you play your cards right, this job can do a lot for you. I mean, unfortunately, over the years, there haven't been a lot of guys that have been able to come out of Nebraska because of other things. But you know, I think a guy like Pelini, when you think about his history, uh, Frank Solich hired him kind of out of nowhere, and all of a sudden – he went, yeah. from Nebraska, yeah. he went from Nebraska to Oklahoma to LSU, mm-hmm. head coach at Nebraska. That's a great, Sean. That's a really good example. And, yeah, I mean, you hope. And, you know, what was Bo? Bo was probably in that age range. He was, he was 42, I think, when he was hired originally at Nebraska. So Tony White's 43. Um, he kind of fits what Rule talks about. Rule likes the idea of hiring younger coaches, guys with a lot of energy. Um, again, I, I would stress – that Cassidy said White's a good recruiter. And I don't know, Sean, you know more about this game, that recruiting game than I do. I asked Tim, would you send a coordinator out? And he said, in this day and age, you should. You should have you, you should have all hands on deck recruiting wise. Um, now I don't know what rule has planned for Tony White, but yeah, I I and it's not that you know we're talking about Tony White, and some people are gonna say, well, why didn't you? and I didn't write about Satterfield yet either. Um why aren't you talking about Marcus Satterfield? Well, I don't know anybody that knows Satterfield like I, <laughs> like Cassidy knows White. I mean, Cassidy and White still text. Um, Tim texted uh, Tony White and said, hey, th- this is a home run for you, dude. Um, so, well, you know, I'll write, hey, Sean, I'll write about Satterfield in days to come. Yeah, we've we've had so many coaches come through Nebraska. The one advantage is we have connections to a lot of guys around the country because uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, you think about all the people that have walked through here in the last twenty years. Where oh yeah, the twenty yeah. years before that, it was the same nine guys coaching. Well, and yeah, and I had one coach tell me the other day, it's not good that, that revolving door at Nebraska's hurt it. I mean, it's you know, and I think some of the that's some of the reason um, why Donovan Rayola is probably still here is that. It, it kind of slows the revolving door at that offensive line position. But um, so we'll see. I, hopefully, hopefully, um, if you're a Nebraska fan, you hope some of these guys are here for a while. Although rule, you know, rules history is he'll he, he moves quick 
to move guys out if they're not productive. That's well, just haven't seen that at Nebraska before. No, not real. Not I mean, I'm trying to think. Frost, I mean, it was hard for him to move guys out. I mean, Frost hard for him to move guys out. What about Riley? Well, he he they that's why they brought in Billy Devaney. Yeah. What about Bill Callahan? I mean, remember Billy Devaney when he was here? Um, Billy Devaney for Riley, yeah. He I mean, they hired Dante Williams while Brian Stewart was still on staff. And yeah. they yeah. didn't they didn't even um they didn't even bring you know him in into the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's right. But anyway, um, so, it, you know, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. It, I don't, I mean, how's it all going to turn out? Who knows? Rule doesn't even have his whole staff hired yet. So we'll see. I've lost camera here. Can you hear me, Sip? I can hear you. I can't see you, Sean, but I can. Yeah, I'm back. I don't know what happened there, but um, yeah. kind of went, went, uh, they, they went dark. But yeah, you, you think about some, some of the coaches over the years that have come through here and, you know, you just, yeah, if, if that will be different. If, if Rule sees a weak link, he's obviously going to have more of a CEO approach and, and make his history is to move on that quicker than we've probably seen here. Um, now, hopefully, he won't have to, but that rule, yeah, I think you're right, Sean. Hey, Trev has a CEO, which is what he wants. One, before we bring Robin in, I got one more question, and this has been on the chat a couple times tonight. What do we know about the receiver and the quarterbacks coach? And, you know, I, I said earlier, there could be some shifting. Maybe Satterfield could coach quarterbacks if there's another candidate that emerged. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jake Pete, as we reported Saturday, had that job probably, but then it didn't work out and uh, he's going to stay in LA instead. So they've got two offensive spots left. We still think Rob Dvorak's going to be the linebackers coach. Um, but yeah, I think your guess sip is as good as mine. What direction they go on these two hires? Hard to know now, Sean. I mean, you've probably talked about it. Matt Rule really has tightened things up over there. There's not a lot of in- <laughs> there's not a lot of information flowing out of North Stadium right now, which is fine. Now, as far I was interested to, I, I'm glad you brought up the assistant positions, particularly the receiver spot. Because I heard you say that you think that would have went, went to Mickey. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Mickey- well, before we knew what we knew, and before, just once we kind of learned how much money Mickey was going to ask for, too, that that changes a lot. Because well, yeah, that's why I don't think he would have got. They he would have settled for a receiver coach job. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's hard to know like the history of his thoughts on on rule because you know his. his good friend at LSU, Joe Brady worked for rule. Right. Was fired by was rule. fire and rule and Brady don't have a good relationship. We so where, where was, what was that relationship? When you, yeah, there was a lot of pieces to that puzzle that we never even got to learn. I mean, it, it right. that, that day happened so fast, but I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Trey, let's bring Robin Washington in here. And so he Thank can- you. Thank you, guys. Robin, you're on mute. Oh, there you go. Um, what's up, Rob? What is happening, fellas? Well, Sip already said goodbye. So he. All right. Well, good. Good talking to you, Sip. Hey, <laughs> you guys talk about hoops. Now, you um, guys are. I, I was. I, I was at the basketball game to kind of observe the football stuff. You guys were there covering it on the basketball end. Uh, a rare PBA Sipple appearance, by the way. Oh, let's not say that. I'm kidding. You're talking. He only shows up for the big ones. Yeah, hey, he was th- he was talking about going down to Kansas City with you, Rob. Yeah, got a, got a spot in the car. Well, hey, let's uh, let me ask Rob about that before I depart the premises here. Rob, now d- tell me if correct me if I'm wrong here, but Kansas State seems like a big game. If you can, if Nebraska has a non-con win against Creighton, which it does and can add one against Kansas State heading into the Big Ten, and you can get seven or eight in the Big Ten wins, does that put them in a pretty good spot with the NCAA selection committee or not? Is that oversimplifying things? 
Well, I mean, you look at what their strength of schedule is going to be seven or eight wins. Uh, you're going to get a lot of quad ones. I mean, they've already played, uh, I guess, I think one of the games um, is now, I think the Oklahoma game got is no longer quad one. I think they fell out. But anyway, at one point they had, after Purdue, they played six quad one games. That was as many as any team, division one team in the mm-hmm. country. The only other team that had played that many was Omaha. So, yeah. uh, you know, that in itself, gives plenty of opportunity. You talk about the degree of difficulty with a schedule like that. Um, if you get eight wins with that type of schedule, especially with the league being what it is, I think the conference RPI is going to be just fine. Um, you know, with, with the number one team in the nation kind of uh, kicking it off with Purdue, but um, I mean, that's going to give you plenty of opportunities. And you add in, you know, a, a true road win at Purdue, a neutral site win over Florida state, a home win over Boston college. And if you can go get another neutral site, went over Kansas state. Who's going to be right there in the thick of it in the big 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's a pretty strong resume right there. Now, again, that's a lot to ask, but one thing that is, has surprised me as much as anything with this team is the level in which they've defended every single night, um, especially mm-hmm. since the return of Derek Walker. And then obviously when they have Sam Greasel uh, with, if they defend like they did against Purdue, like the way they did against Creighton and I'd even throw, uh, you know, for the, the final 25 minutes uh, of that Indiana game, uh, they can compete with anybody, I mean, uh, especially with, it, with the teams left on their schedule. Um, they're built to compete in the Big Ten for the first time in a long time. So you look at some of those games like Penn State, like Northwestern, like uh, even Ohio State, like Rutgers, a little differently than maybe you did going into the season where those are always such tough games for Nebraska because of the style of play those teams have well nebraska's playing that now and they have the personnel that can match up with that now so um i i do think that the opportunity certainly seems a lot greater than it did even a couple weeks ago uh, and mm-hmm. if they can find a way to go beat kansas state in kansas city kansas state's a good team uh, if they can find a way to win that game and somehow come out two and two out of this absolutely brutal four-game stretch uh, i would consider that a a big win for the program Rob, we've obviously seen a lot of just drama with Husker coaches over the years, both football and basketball. But you get the sense that people really want Fred Hoiberg to succeed. You get the sense there's an appreciation for the style they're playing and maybe the adjustments that Fred made to how he coaches and that they're working. And I think a lot of fans wanted to see kind of changes like this. And he he listened and um, and all of a sudden, I mean, what's your read on just Hoiberg and kind of that that whole lay of the land right now yeah I mean I think that uh, he's done everything right since he's been here except win games and the product <laughs> on the court I mean he's recruited at a high level uh, he's said and done all the right things I mean, he's a great ambassador for the program he's extremely well respected uh, amongst the coaching community uh, and he's just a, a guy that you know from beyond what has transpired on the court over the last three years is, is really easy to get behind and now for the first time since he's been there, he's given fans something to be proud of uh, with the effort his teams are playing with, uh, just the, the the tenacity and the fight that these guys are showing, even when you know they're undermatched uh, against you know maybe more talented teams, they don't they don't play like it. And I think that's something that a lot of Nebraska basketball fans, it's really all they ask. They just want something they can get behind that they can root for and know that night in, night out. The team that they're supporting is going to give max effort and they're not going to quit. And when things go wrong, they're not just going to check out and lose a game by 35 points and get embarrassed on national television. That's this group's not made of like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, a big part of why I think the tenor for this season is so much different for Fred in particular, that you have to give him credit for the changes that he made this off season. I mean, this is a 180. Is that different? Yeah, it might be. Let me let me check out. I'll check out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We're good. So anyway, what I was saying is uh with the you gotta credit Fred for doing what he did this offseason and doing a 180 degree flip of what he's always been about stylistically and schematically to where instead of offense he's focusing on you know doing the dirty work and it's not pretty uh but it works and he hired the right coaches to help him with that surround himself with a a good staff and then went and got a totally different type of player 
than he's normally recruited, at least since he's been here. So um, he's put in the effort and you're starting to see the results of that. And again, if they can maintain that type of effort and remain as competitive as they have been over the course of the season um, to where, you know, you're going into February, March, and there's still at least somewhat relatively meaningful basketball being played. You know, I, I think that's, again, the, the bar is set fairly low for this program. Um, that would be a good first step finally to taking this thing where it needs to be. Well, and, and no one's ever going to like argue that Matt Abdomasi didn't bring good talent to Nebraska. He brought good talent here, but I think the strings attached or the promises made or whatever it would take to get guys here as far as minutes, shots, style, play, um, you know, it just wasn't a style that was going to work here. And right. I, I think for Nebraska, the style they're playing now is a much better fit for how they can win with, you know, with the players that they have available in this area. Well, if you look at uh, Fred's Iowa state teams, you know, what made them different was they had a bunch of, you know, junkyard dog type guys where they were extremely skilled, but also were tough. I mean, they had guards that could defend the heck out of the basketball. And, you know, they were one of the toughest, most physical teams uh, in the conference, uh, especially on the perimeter. And that you pair that with their overall level of talent. That's what made them so good. And, you know, for whatever reason, they went out with an approach where it seemed like the goal to start was just assembling the the best available talent and not putting enough thought into how those individual individual pieces were going to fit together as a cohesive basketball team, especially in the Big Ten. Um, and it took them far too long to uh, figure it out. But again, you know, they they at least figured it out. And you know, Fred, you know, kind of. Took, uh, took it on the chin and made uh, some tough decisions. Again, doing something that he's never done as a head coach with his style of play and his emphasis on defense and taking the air out of the ball and milking down the shot clock and doing all those sorts of things. But it's working. And I think he's found that he's got a recipe now. He's got an identity that they can build around to where this is what we want our team to be about. These are the types of players that we need to recruit to fit that program identity. And that's... Again, it took four years to figure that out, but at least they figured it out. And so far, uh, they've had pretty instantaneous success just with uh, the work they've done over the last few months. Before we bring in Jim Rose, what, Robin, uh, what's the Kim Palm at for K-State Nebraska? And what um, are, what are you anticipating for a crowd there? Any, I guess maybe Grant Flanders and Derek Young at K-State Online might have a better read too, but yeah. are you expecting like a pretty good crowd down there for this deal? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Kansas State's doing pretty well. They're 54th in Kem Palm right now. They're nine and one. Uh, so I mean, they're they're off and running, and uh, their only loss was on the road against Butler. So they've got wins over LSU, Cal, Rhode Island, Wichita State. Um, so you know they're going to be a tough team as far as the crowd is concerned. You know, again, it's a neutral site game, but you're right in. Kansas State territory, but you know I think there's with the way the season has gone, there's probably going to be a few more Nebraska fans willing to make that trip down to Kansas City. You know, I mean, any excuse Nebraska fans can get to go down to KC, they're usually going to take it. And so check out the lights in the plaza. Exactly. You know, make a weekend of it. It's a Saturday, uh, six thirty p.m. game, so uh, lots of time before and after to to make a trip out of it. So uh, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be a Kansas State lean, but it might not be like the true home court on a neutral site <laughs> atmosphere like uh, Nebraska and Sioux Falls when they played Oklahoma State up there where it was like 99 to 1 uh, Husker Oklahoma State fans but uh, this is going to be a critical game you know we, we talked about earlier just about what it would mean to win this game to go and beat a very good Kansas State team on a neutral site I mean that's that is one of the as far as a resume you look at that game you look at Creighton as like two of the signature wins of the season thus far and it's not going to be easy, especially in that environment. But I do think that with the way Nebraska's playing defensively, they can compete with anybody they have left on their schedule. All right, where are you getting your – before we go, where's your barbecue going to be at? Are you going to get some barbecue? Q39, Q39. always. I've, I've decided a few years ago that was my favorite spot. So if I have to go to one – and I'll try to hit up a couple. But if I have to go to one, Q39 is where it's at. All right. Well, hey, Rob, I'll see you uh, tomorrow. Um, but appreciate you coming on tonight. Absolutely. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's bring in Jim Rose now next um, as you get to follow up the great Robin Washhead. Are you going to be down uh, in Kansas City, Rosie? You know, uh, I've got a lot of opportunities down there, big guy. Um, I should go back down. Uh, I ought to be going back down just to, you know, revisit my own haunts. Um, he's a, That's a good one. Jack Stack is my personal favorite from the time that I lived and worked down there. So you can't go wrong. If you cross into what you call the, uh, you know, the, the, the greater Kansas City metro area, every barbecue joint is good. But uh, Q39 is very, very good. Uh, Q30, Ollie's, Gates, the Gold Knox. Joe. You can't go wrong. You just can't go wrong. Well, you can't go wrong at Joe's either. And Joe's, big time, big time. Jack Stack was my personal favorite barbecue place in Kansas City, but the uh, Savoy Grill was my favorite place. That's right downtown, in the heart of downtown. When I was going down there, nobody else was down there. Now everybody's down there. Well, Everybody lives in downtown KC. You, you were a talk show host for how many years in Kansas City? Two years down in KC um, on KMBZ, which was the Royals station at the time. And I did Royals pre and post game show and filled in once in a while. And Denny Matthews wanted to take a day or two off. Had a great time in Kansas City. Wonderful experience. Great friends down there. I loved it down there. But chance to come back and do Husker sports was a little bit too much for me to turn down. So. I've been here ever since, Shano. All right. Well, give me before we get into Husker talk. Give me your Denny Matthews impersonation. <laughs> it is legendary. Denny uh, Matthews talking about the new defensive coordinator hire at Nebraska. Well, it seems like uh, it seems like they've found the right guy to run the place, and certainly if they can find somebody willing to come to Nebraska, where they have seventy nine inches of snow a year in Syracuse, he'd probably crawl from Syracuse to Lincoln. And there's no question in my mind that. If uh, this defensive coordinator works out, why he's he's going to be one of the all-time greats at Nebraska. Jim Rose impersonations are highly <laughs> underrated, and we probably need to get more. There's the man. There's Denny right there, and you're friends with Denny Matt. Yeah, we're we're very good friends. We've been friends for years and years. He was a good mentor to me. You know, Denny's a little bit of a different cat. You know, he's he's not the kind of guy. Here we are talking about Denny Matthews, who for 50 years has been the voice of the Kansas City Royals. He's not the most public figure in the world. Uh, you figure a guy who's been as big in Kansas City as Dan has for, well, yeah, like we said, 50 plus years. You figure that he'd be more recognizable around town, but he's not. He doesn't do TV commercials. He never did real television. He doesn't do a lot of freelance work. Uh, he's just a very under the radar kind of guy. Uh, and, you know, certainly a lot of people know who he is, but you, you consider the popularity of some broadcasters in their communities enjoy. Denny is perfectly happy being completely anonymous, completely invisible. He can go anywhere he wants. He can do anything he wants and he doesn't have people. It's not like he doesn't like people. He does like people, but his personality is not what you would equate with most big time major league baseball announcers. He's in the baseball hall of fame. He was given the Ford Frick award a few years back. Gosh, it's been 10, 15 years now. But Den's good with it. He's okay being somebody that nobody knows. Uh, and uh, and it's a very rare personality. But, no, I love him. He's a wonderful guy. I grew up listening to him. And uh, I wish I could see him more often. Uh, I just don't get to see him as much as I used to. If you're wondering how the Husker Online Rundown show got down the road to Kansas City, Nebraska yeah. basketball plays in Kansas City on Saturday against Kansas State. It allowed us to tee up Jim Rose for some fond memories of his former KC days when he started <laughs> off against the likes of Jason Whitlock and Kevin Keatsman. Uh, but let's let's talk about Nebraska football. The yeah, I don't, nobody wants to revisit my uh, very, very uh, unimpressive days in Kansas City, Shano. But um, your your thoughts on Tony White um, and, and Donovan Riola for that sense. I mean, just your read on going to Syracuse, getting an out-of-the-box hire. Uh, by the way, that has a connection with Tim Cassidy. They work together at Arizona State, and Sip's going to have a column tomorrow on three kind of detailing his thoughts on this hire for Nebraska and then re retaining Donovan Riola, which I think to the rank and file Nebraska fan, that might be a surprise. I don't think there's any question that there are two factors with Donovan Riola. The first one is his nephew is the number one rated player in the class of 2024. And if he's coaching here, Nebraska has a much 
sizably larger chance of getting Dylan Riola to reconsider his commitment to Ohio State. Can't ignore that that's a factor, but I don't think it's the only factor. Uh, he really is highly regarded, and you can't really blame last year on him. A little, but not that much. His top two linemen were essentially gone from the start of the season, Prohaska and Nureli. So you take the top two linemen out of that bunch, and that makes a big, big impact. Plus, he didn't recruit any of these guys. They were recruited by different people to do different things. So clearly, uh, Coach Rule saw in this dude an up-and-coming young offensive line coach whose brother was a truly great Nebraska football player and whose nephew is a truly outstanding prospect. So if you combine all of those ingredients, the soup tastes pretty good. And then your thoughts on Tony White. Um, I mean, he was a name that nobody really knew was on the radar for this position. And then Pete Thamel just dropped the bomb that Nebraska's hiring Tony White. And, you know, you learn more about this guy. And he's really an interesting hire in a lot of respects. His record of achievement is pretty good. Uh, he went back to when he played linebacker at UCLA. Uh, he was a good football player, and then he just started rising through the ranks uh, of the coaching ranks, which is not easy to do. It's very competitive. But if you look at his results at Syracuse, now, again, like Denny Matthews said, he gets 79 inches of snow a year up there. Who the hell would want to go there? It's true. It's not a great place. You might think, well, New York's got a bunch of players. Not really. And, Sean, you can speak to this. New York high school football isn't that good. In fact, there's probably more players in New Jersey high caliber players on an annual basis than the state of New Jersey, than New York. New York state is not a big high school football state. So you think, well, boy, that's a great recruiting situation. No, it really isn't. It's a very, very difficult recruiting situation for football, which is one of the reasons they've gone through guy after guy after guy after guy. But that conference, the ACC is an extremely difficult conference for you to coordinate a defense because you consider you're as far north as Syracuse, and you're as far south as Miami of Florida and Florida State. And the level of football played and the, the style of football played in the ACC is extremely different from one region to the next. you got Boston College, Pittsburgh, you know, Syracuse in the upper tundra, as you might say. Then you got those middle Atlantic programs like Virginia and Virginia Tech all the way on down south and then throw in Louisville. But his numbers were really good. Uh, in fact, every year they got markedly better statistically. And his last year, this last season, and again, you know, you might say, well, who did Syracuse play? Well, anytime you're playing Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, uh, on an annual basis, you're going to play good teams offensively. They do know how to move the football. And statistically, you can't argue that his teams, I mean, it's all right there in black and white, they got better statistically every year. And his last year, they were only giving up 320 yards per game, and they were only giving up 22 points per game. That says he took guys and made them better because he's not going to get very many great players. Quick, name the great players at Syracuse defensively in the last 35, 40 years. A lot of Nebraskans will say Tim Green. Well, he played in the early 80s. You're just not going to get him up there. So you got to make him up there. And obviously, Tony can do that. I'm impressed with that hire of all of the hires that Matt Rule has made. And I don't know a lot of these guys, but of all of the hires, just based on what I've read, I like this guy as much as anybody. I agree. I, I think the running backs coach, EJ Barthol, intrigues me too. Um, and the you know how they're recruiting too, Jim, with the emphasis on speed. Uh, they get, uh, you know, the kid out of Texas this week, um, you know, that runs a 10-2 in the 100. Um, you know, Bryce Turner, Jalen Lloyd is on the verge of committing. Um, and he's a 10-4 guy. And, you know, the emphasis on this track speed, you know, it's either going to make them look like a genius or they're going to ha have a hell of a track team. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The Nebraska track and field program is benefiting greatly by the transfer portal and the early signing period. Uh, yeah, I think, look, nobody ever argues, Sean, that a team that's really fast is going to be at a disadvantage. Now, if there's 10 inches of rain falling or it's a blizzard, it's a little hard to use your speed, but most Saturdays, day in and day out, if you've got more speed on both sides of the ball, you're going to have a chance to make plays. I was intrigued by all of the three, five, five defensive experts that somehow managed to make it onto Twitter at the same time. 
uh, right after Tony was hired. And they said, this is the wrong defense for this conference. This is the wrong guy for this program. This what's Matt rule doing, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, the three five five cuts down on your big plays. That's the reason you stay in that base. But uh, look, Matt Rule's a defensive guy. He played linebacker in the Big Ten. He knows what it takes to stop Big Ten offenses. So you're going to see a variation of that three five five. The three three five. Three three five. I'm sorry. They'd be, they'd be pretty good if they had thirteen. Yeah, then it is, might work. <laughs> yeah, three three five. Excuse me, I'm suffering the ill effects of an allergy medication. Oh no. Three, 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 five. Yeah, we play with 13 guys. You're right. We're in great shape defensively. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Boy, um, what do you think? <laughs> on these other hires they're going to make. I mean, I think there's a lot of intrigue where this is all going to go uh, with, because Jake Pete's from all reports and people we've talked to, he had the job. In fact, he talked, we know of at least one recruit he talked to, um, but things changed. The coordinator from the LA Rams took the job at Kentucky and maybe that put Jake in line to be the, we don't know. We'll find out in the off season what that means for Jake Pete's. But um, he, he told Matt rule Friday, he was not coming to Nebraska. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and kind of, there's two big holes still receivers, coach quarterbacks, coach. And then we, we definitely think Rob Dvorak is probably the guy that's going to be the linebackers coach, uh, from recruits that we've talked to. Um, but you know, the, these are, these are still questions that got to get filled on the offensive staff. Yeah. I think Pete's, uh, this was not to me, this was a, a little bit of a jump for Jake Pete's. Because once you've been in the NFL, and I was talking to Tom Rathman about this once, and he was a longtime coach in the NFL. Once you coach in the NFL, for a lot of guys, it's very difficult to go back to college. Not that they don't want to, and Jake is a classic Nebraska kid. Uh, St. Mary's High School in O'Neill, Nebraska, a walk-on deep snapper. I remember I was doing the games when he played. So it was, it was a great story. But he, I think, decided some time ago, that the NFL was the path he wanted to be on. And the assistant coaching jobs in the NFL are very different from assistant coaching jobs in Nebraska. They're far less public. Maybe Jake likes it that way. Uh, he's making contacts right now that will ultimately get him a coordinator position and then a head coach position. This is the same track that Zach Taylor followed, although Jake's been in it a little bit longer. It's just very hard. Once you've been in that NFL construct where the player acquisition process is very different, Player development process is very different. Everybody's skills are highly refined. So now there's a lot of strategy involved. It's a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups. It's who can overcome injuries. It's a very different thing than traveling around the country, sitting in the living rooms of a 17-year-old, trying to convince mom and dad that I'm the guy you can trust, plug in the NIL business. You can work your rear end off on a kid for a long time, and then the other school comes in with more NIL money and you're out. That's frustrating. I'm not surprised. It's hard to pluck guys from the NFL who aren't unemployed. Now, in many cases, guys are unemployed. Or in the case of Brett Bielema, he was in the NFL. He was going to leave for a head coach position in the Power Five. He got that. So it's just hard. Uh, it would have been great to have Jake here. I think he would have been a great assistant coach. He's done a great job in the pros. Everybody loves him in the NFL. Uh, but I'm not surprised. All right, Rosie, uh, how many Christmas parties have you been? I'm sure you're I – mean, thanks for taking some time. I, I'm guessing the Rosie uh, Christmas party schedule has been keeping you busy. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I had one on Friday I had to miss. I was out of town. I had to go do some work out of town. Uh, so I missed Friday. I got one on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I got Well, then I had one last Thursday. I should say last Thursday was the first one of the year. So I had one Thursday and Friday. And then I got one Wednesday afternoon. I got another one Thursday. I got two on Thursday that are corporate Christmas parties. So, you know, I'm going to have to get a driver, Shano. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm, playing with, dog. <laughs> if I'm playing with fire here. I probably better hire somebody to haul me around. Otherwise, there's going to be a headline. And as we saw with Chris Beard, you don't want a headline. No, You don't want a headline. Now, I'm probably not going to have any domestic abuse, but you don't want the headline. And like you, a man in a very high elevated media position, there's always great risk. 
So Christmas holiday party season is always trouble for Rosie, which is why I got to start slowing it down. Well, Rosie, we'll uh, talk in the morning and, and probably next week. And uh, thanks again, Trey. Thanks again. Je- Jeff Cameron, by the way, had to step off to go to a Christmas recital. Um, so he was on yeah. for 15 or 20 minutes, stepped off. Thanks to Robin Washett, Steve Sipple. Uh, yeah. That wraps it up here for another oh. edition of I, the Husker Online. What do you got there? I got a little orange here. This is for Husker fans, okay, because there was a stretch there, Shano, when – this was pretty much it for Nebraska at the end of the month of December. Everybody talked about a little tiny orange. Well, we're going to get back there, folks. Okay, maybe I'm just being a super fan here, but I feel very good about wrapping my arms around little fruits like these for future reference. We're going to get back to orange bowls. We're going to get back to maybe tangerine bowls or apricot bowls or peach bowls. But we're going to get back there. You hang in there, all right? Husker fans, hang in there. Glad tidings are coming. I want a bull trip, too. Well, hey, that, that's a great way to end the show. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us here on another edition of the Husker Online Monday Night Live show.